In confusion and uncertainty, there emerges a guiding light, a beacon that cuts through the darkness. Welcome to Beacon of Truth with your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, everyone, and blessed Lent to you on this Ash Wednesday, which uh, is very unique because it's also Valentine's Day today. A very unique combination. It doesn't happen very often. In fact, it's quite rare that they both fall on the same day. Uh, So today, I know normally uh, you would expect to hear Word of God Wednesday on Beacon of Truth. Uh, But uh, today, since it's such a unique day, with Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day on the same day, decided to move Word of God Wednesday. No, don't do not fear. Word of God Wednesday will move to Thursday uh, tomorrow, uh, this week because of the uniqueness of the day today, and we will uh, explore the readings actually um, for uh, Ash Wednesday. I think it's important as we begin Lent to look at our Lord's words and the challenges that He has for us during this penitential season. Uh, But today we're going to talk about a love story. We're going to talk about uh, basically my story, how I met my wife, and uh, and without getting into too much detail, some of the challenges that have come with married life. And how do you balance and manage Lent and Valentine's Day? Like, what are some things that you can do to balance that? So we're going to talk about that today. So if you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call, 833-288-3986, or email beacon at EWTN.com. And so uh, I've been talking to uh, a number of folks who've been listening to the show and uh, uh, really like the way things are going so far, and I'm very happy to hear that. You know, again, the whole purpose is to help bring people to a deeper love and intimacy with Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith by doing simply what St. Paul says to do in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, to speak the truth in love. And we all know as followers of Jesus Christ, uh, uh, as, as Christians, that truth is not what our society says it is. Truth is not uh, malleable. Truth is not subjective. Truth is not moral relativism. Truth is not a philosophical construct or an idea that you form in your mind. Truth is a person. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life and that no one comes to the father but by me so that's what we're trying to do and the different topics that we cover um in the unique way that that we're talking about these issues speaking the truth in love and connecting that's the key connecting people uh between their faith and their everyday lived experience so we're not just saying well here's what we believe, but why do we believe it, and how is that belief connected to your everyday lived experience? So you're living, making decisions, and living your life out of a love and a trust in our, in, in our faith in Jesus Christ, strengthened and nurtured by the Eucharist, Christ giving himself to us body, blood, soul, and divinity, the most blessed sacrament of the Eucharist. So on this, uh, on this Ash Wednesday... Where in the world am I? (laughs) Well, I am now in Uniondale, New York, in New York City, uh, out on the island, as we used to say when I grew up in Jersey. Uh, That's Long Island, New York. 
and I am at Kellenberg Memorial High School. And it's actually uh, a high school and a middle school. Uh, it's 6th through 12th grade. There's approximately uh, 1,750 kids here. And I'm here for the next couple of days. I'll be uh, giving a talk to the middle school kids um, tomorrow morning, followed by a talk to the high school kids also tomorrow morning, then followed by a talk with uh, parents uh, of the students uh, in, the, in the evening. Uh, so the talk, by the way, I'm giving to the middle school kids is on the holy sacrifice of the mass, <laughs> right? Connecting the mass more deeply to their life uh, as a middle schooler. So they go, what's going on up there? Like, what does any of that stuff have to do with my life every day? We're going to make those connections for them tomorrow. And then uh, the high school kids is theology to body. We're going to talk about how their bodies, as is, is, is Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, are temples of the Holy Spirit. And how they are not to treat each other as objects for pleasure and gratification, but to see each other through God's eyes. Right? And then tomorrow night with the parents, we're going to talk about the Marian heart of suffering. Um, uh, they, well, not only, not only because it's, it's the start of Lent, but also because uh, a student um, died here a couple of weeks ago. Um, a, a quite a, a popular student from what I understand, a, a well uh, uh, well-loved, a, a very, very good athlete, um, just didn't wake up one morning, you know. Um, um, uh, and, and so, obviously, that's uh, been devastating to the community here. And so the, the parents want to hear a message of hope. And since this is a um, Marian school, it's run by the Marian uh, uh, brothers and priests, uh, not the Marists, okay? It's the two two different orders. They, they sound very similar, but but they're they're different. Um, and so uh, I thought, you know, what better way to talk about suffering than, than look, at, look at it through the heart of the Blessed Mother who stood at the foot of the cross and saw her son suffer and die. So I want to talk about that with parents tomorrow. And then Friday, I am preaching at uh, Mass and then doing a in-service for teachers. Uh, so I'm uh, going to be giving a talk on... Um, Staying awake in the woke culture, and then another talk on the Catholic response to racism. So very busy, couple of days here in New York City, and um, if you want to see where I'm going to be uh, after New York and for the rest of Lent, and quite frankly for the rest of the year, just go to my website deaconharold.com. Click schedule in the page header, and uh, see where I'm going to be. Again, if if you're a listener, I'd love to meet. I met so many wonderful EWTN people uh, when I was in Waco. Um, who loved the, the network, and, and, uh, and I'd love to meet you as well in person. Again, today's topic on Beacon of Truth with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers is a love story. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how I met my wife and some of the challenges of, of married life and also kind of balancing Lent and Valentine's Day. And um, we have our crack staff, as always, putting this show on. We have Charles Berry, our social media guru. We have our call screener, Matt Gabinski. And, of course, our producer, the one and only Ace McKay. Ace is in the place. Hey, bud. So I know that you and your wife kind of celebrated uh, Valentine's Day earlier yeah. so that you wouldn't have this kind of dilemma with Ash Wednesday. Well, because not only did we have Ash and Lent on the same day, but our wedding anniversary is actually today. 
So it was like one more trifecta. So we went out Monday night, had a really nice dinner and just, and that's kind of our thing. Like we don't usually do gifts. It's like, where can we go that we haven't been that we can maybe, you know, spend a little more on dinner and really kind of feast going into uh, the anniversary. So that's, that's kind of what we did. So little surf and turf and I'm a happy camper. Oh, well, very good. Very good. I like that. <laughs> surf and turf. Uh, yeah, so obviously this Valentine's Day, I, I am not home. Obviously, it's a very busy uh, time for uh, uh, for me here, being on the road speaking yeah. uh, during Lent. So, um, uh, But I, I'm, obviously, I'm going to give my wife a call later because it's a different time zone. So I know she's busy right now, but I'll be giving a call and and check in and tell how much I love her and all that good stuff. So I, so I won't get uh, berated when I get home. <laughs> yeah, do it. You got to do it right because you know it's it, it's as much of the honeydew to do it right, right? Yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Now, is your wife is she is she a flower kind of girl? Like, is she like it when you do like roses or big bouquets? Yeah. See, and that's that's the key. When I am when I'm home, to really make sure I'm paying attention to her. Uh, you know, and, and to her needs that, that, that's really, that's really, really important. Um, and so, yes, uh, flowers and candy and just, just thoughtfulness, even doing things when it's not an anniversary, not a special day, Yeah. just do it just because, Sure. you know, that, that's, that's the awesome part of, of, uh, of, of what she likes to do. And, and, and again, that's something I had to get used to cause I'm, I'm not really a touchy feely kind of, you know. Person, I don't need that kind of uh, affection uh, in our relationship, but she does, you know. So I had to kind of go out of myself and learn how to uh, make sure I'm meeting her needs. You know, that's important. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and, I, and I know for those that haven't heard this, your love story yet, this is this is a good day because it's it's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is, and you know, um, you know, and a lot of people are celebrating uh, Valentine's Day today. You know, and and not really thinking about Ash Wednesday. Like I was again traveling today this morning in the airport and everything's about Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. Um, but I did get an opportunity to evangelize a little bit um, because the flight wasn't full. I got upgraded the first class and I skipped the meal and they said, you sure? I said, it's Ash Wednesday and I'm Catholic. They said, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a wonderful opportunity there. And what an opportunity for you to be with us. Give us a call, 833 3986 or email beacon at ew10.com be part of the conversation you're listening to beacon of truth i'm deacon harold burke Sivers as we begin this blessed life Welcome back to Beacon of Truth. I'm your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. I hope you are having a wonderful start to this blessed Lenten season as we, as we start uh, Lent on this Ash Wednesday. Today's topic is a love story. I'm going to share a little bit about how I met my wife, some of the challenges of married life, and then how we can kind of balance Ash Wednesday. Because it's both, we're talking about love today and sacrifice. Right, because it's, it's, it's Valentine's Day and um, Ash Wednesday. So, uh, if you're looking, if you're looking forward to Word of God Wednesday, never fear. We are moving Word of God Wednesday to Thursday this week because of the uniqueness 
of uh, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day being on the same day, which is quite rare. Uh, but we, we will tackle Word of God Wednesday tomorrow. But if you want to be part of the conversation now, give us a call. 833-288-3986. Or you can email beacon at EWTN.com. Of course, we want to let you know that uh, maybe a good uh, Valentine's present, uh, a book in our RC catalog right now, is The New Scientific Evidence for the Existence of God by Jose Carlos Consuelos Hurtado. If you want to find out more of the evidence for theism in a way that maybe is easier to understand and you can explain to your friends, find out more when you find it available now when you buy Catholic and shop EWTNRC.com. Well, that music means one thing at a time. It is time to take a look at the Psalms, a deep dive into the Psalms. I love this segment. You know, I've been a, uh, a huge fan of the Psalms for most of my life. been praying them uh, uh, for the, the large majority of my life. And uh, today, uh, you're going to like this one because uh, if you look at the uh, prescript, it's very appropriate while we're praying with this particular Psalm. This is Psalm 45. Okay, so Psalm 45 is in book two of the Psalms, uh, which goes from Psalms 42 to 72. And uh, uh, so that means that Psalms 42 to 49 were written by the sons of Korah. And so the prescript for this Psalm says, verse one, again, remember the Masoretic in the Jewish text, the prescript is also part of the verse. So verse one for Psalm 45 says this, for the choir master, intoned like the lilies of the sons of Korah, a maskil, a love song. Ah, a love song. Now you know why we're praying this psalm. So just quickly. So this psalm was composed by the sons of Korah. Remember, Korah rebelled against Moses and Aaron in Numbers chapter 16. Uh, Korah was, and his family were swallowed up. Uh, the ground opened and they went down alive to Sheol. The followers of Korah were uh, swallowed up by fire from heaven. The only ones that survived were the sons of Korah. So not the family, physical family, but the followers of Korah, Numbers chapter 26, verse 11. And so they gave this for the choir master to put music to, and they wanted it to sound like a, another tune called The Lilies. And it's a maskil. Again, maskil means enlightenment, um, insight, enlightenment, but we don't know what the word meant back then when this psalm was written, and it's a love song. So here's how it begins, verse 1, Psalm 45. My heart overflows with noble words. To the king I address the song I have made. My tongue is nimble as the pen of a scribe. So now what's going to go on to, that's kind of the, 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 the introduction. Then it's going to talk about the, the, the love uh, story, the, the, the man first and then the woman. Again, the woman second. After the man, not because she's an afterthought, because she's the greatest of God's creation, so saves the best for last. You are the most handsome of the sons of men, and graciousness is poured upon your lips, for God has blessed you forevermore. Gird your sword upon your thigh. All right, so here we go. So here's the man, uh, and his job is to what? Remember this from Genesis chapter 2. Serve, protect, and defend everything that is entrusted to him. So was it trusted to him, his family, the church, 
and the culture. That's the connection for us today. So gird your sword upon your thigh. Be ready. Be ready to stand up and defend the family, the church, and the culture. Gird your sword upon your thigh, Almighty One, with splendor and your majesty. Uh, in your majesty, ride on triumphant for the cause of truth, meekness, and justice. May your right hand show your wondrous deeds. Beautiful. In, in, in uh, evoking the power of God here to allow men to really live out their, their spirituality, particularly in this marriage relationship. Your arrows are sharp. Peoples fall beneath you in the heart of the foes of the king. So the battle here, your, your, your arrows are sharp. Remember, what's the, the scripture talks about the, the tongue being a two-edged sword, right? So we have to not just be ready to do physical battle, but also be able to defend and be able to speak the beauty of the truth and love. And when we do that, peoples fall beneath you. Your enemies will succumb to the beauty and power and eloquence of the truth that's being, uh, uh, that's being uh, portrayed in love. So again, someone may not, you know, they're listening to you and they're still angry, they're still upset, but they walk away from you thinking. They walk away from you thinking, no, I never thought about that before. And what he said upsets me because I was so sure that my way of thinking was correct. But now I hear this different perspective and now it's giving me something to think about. That's when the Holy Spirit can begin to work on hearts. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above other kings. Right? So the oil of gladness, we see this uh, uh, in Psalm 134, uh, for example, uh, uh, where, um, uh, where it talks about, the, it was at 133, where David talks about the oil running down upon the beard of Aaron, upon the collar of his robes. And of course, oil is used in the sacrament of confirmation. Right? It's, it's, it's used in, in, in the, the beautiful sacrament of confirmation, the, the, the sacrament of the sealing uh, of the Holy Spirit, the completion and the fullness of baptism in that beautiful sacrament. So the, he's anointed you with the oil of gladness above other kings because kings are anointed to, to, to lead. But this is more than just leading. You're also being, in a sense, a prophet, not a prophet telling the future but being prophetic in your speech and prophetic in your actions. A prophet is one who is appointed by God to speak the word of God, right? That is a prophet. So he's anointed you to serve, protect, and defend, and to testify to the truth of the reality of God's love and God's presence in our lives. Your robes are fragrant with aloes, myrrh, and cassia. From the ivory palace, you are greeted with music, all right? So... Again, very beautiful here. Your robes are fragrant. So this is, again, the oil that's used in the sacrament of confirmation is, a, is, a, is like a balsam. It's a very beautiful, sweet-smelling chrism, right? It's, it's wonderful. So it, it's, it's, what, I, what I love about this is engaging all the senses. So we, we, we celebrate our faith by witnessing to our faith, by speaking, by acting, but also there's a physicalness, there's a tangibleness to the sacraments, right? We hear the words of the priest in confession. We taste the Eucharist, uh, whether, uh, whether under either species, uh, body, blood, soul, divinity, under the species of bread or the species of wine, um, we, we still, we, we, can, we, we have that sense that with baptism, we can, we can feel the water 
of baptism on us. And, and here, with the oil of gladness, again, kind of looking to our confirmation, we can we not only feel the oil, we can smell the beautiful chrism. And and because our clothes, our, our robes are fragrant. So our, our lives should be fragrant with the scent of God's merciful love, with the scent of our of our Catholic faith permeating from us, almost like cologne, right? Or sometimes you eat garlic, and sometimes garlic, like, comes you still smell like garlic like after you eat garlic because it's coming out of your pores that's what it should be like in our relation with god our, our spirituality our strength should be seeping out of us and others should be able to say whoa what is going on with this person you know and, and if their hearts are open they may even say you know what i want what he has you know, there's something about them, you know, and, and, and that when we begin a person's journey of deepening faith. It continues at verse 9. From the ivory palace, you are gladdened with music. The daughters of kings are those whom you favor. On your right stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Okay, so again, standing on your right, uh, there's a position of authority. Again, stands the queen. Now, often when it talks about the queen... The queen was not, now in this case it's different, but often the queen is not the wife of the king, but the mother of the king. Why? Because the king had multiple wives. Which one's going to be the queen if he has a bunch of wives? So typically the mother was the, was the queen. We see this, for example, with Solomon. You know, um, uh, his mother Bathsheba was uh, was not the uh, uh, well, she's David's wife, but she, the mother was the one that was the queen. Beautiful, uh, and in gold of Ophir. So Ophir um, does not exist now, but it was a place that was very important in the uh, Mesopotamian uh, uh, trade, as a, as far as a trading city, and it was known for its precious metals, particularly for gold. Right, so we talk about the gold of Ophir. It's talking about a particular place that was important for trade, particularly the trade of precious metals, and particularly known for its gold. Right, so so that's kind of the the, the first part of the psalm that focuses on the 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 man, the husband, in the relationship. Now it starts to switch in verse eleven. Listen, O daughter, pay heed and give ear. Forget your own people and your father's house. Ah, see, so uh, this when I when I read that verse, it reminds me of Genesis chapter two. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother, and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Not one person, right? One flesh, not one person. Because you know, sometimes when people are in love, you hear things like. Oh, I lost myself in him. Oh, I lost myself in her. And my response is, you better find yourself. Because <laughs> when, when you're in a relationship of loving communion, intimacy, you don't lose anything of the individual person that God created you to be. You don't lose yourself. You find yourself. Mm. Right? Because that other person helps you become more of the person who God created you to be, not less. Yeah. You become more. They help you to become the person who God created you to be. That's one of the beautiful things about marriage. 
Yeah, I remember telling my wife when we first were dating, I was like, my job is not to make you happy or to complete you. I'm here to support you and cheerlead you and vice versa. But I have to find my own inner peace. I have to find my own inner joy and do the things that God has called me to do, therefore to be happy. And then you're an extension of that. And it has made all the difference in how we have been able to love each other and be there for one another. It's been great. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. You know, and and the psalm goes on. Uh, So will the king desire your beauty. He is your Lord. Pay homage to him. Not worship him, but to honor, uh, reverence, and respect him. So uh, when we come back, we're going to take a look at a love story. I'm going to share my story about my uh, marriage with my wife. I met my wife and how we fell in love and and some of the challenges to married life and how we can kind of connect uh, Ash Wednesday with um, with uh, uh, Valentine's Day. When we come back on Beacon of Truth. Uh, hello and welcome back to Beacon of Truth with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and yes, we have the best bumper music ever. It's good stuff. And that's because we have an, uh, the, uh, an amazing support team here to make the show run smoothly. We have our social media expert, Charles Berry, our call screener, Matt Gabinski, and Ace McKay, our producer, uh, working uh, the boards today. And if you want to be part of our uh, special Ash Wednesday slash Valentine's Day program, Give us a call, 833-288-3986, or email beacon at EWTN.com. We want to let you know, uh, congratulations going out to some of our EWTN radio family. His Mercy Radio, 107.9 FM in Grants Pass, Oregon, celebrating nine years this week. And also Sacred Heart Radio, 100.7 in Plainville, Texas, celebrating 20 years with EWTN. So we want to congratulate them and continue to pray and support EWTN radio across the world. Oh, how awesome is that? Grants Pass. Yeah, that's way down there near the California border. Uh, well, congratulations to all the EW10 affiliates. It's so awesome uh, that you're part of the family. So, okay, so Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how I met my wife. So some of you may know that I went to the University of Notre Dame for my undergraduate degree, and so did my wife. And we did not know each other for the first, well, almost three years. And, and during our junior year, this is how we met. Uh, so my RA on my floor, a guy named Ed, was uh, we had a long weekend, and he was going to go to Pittsburgh uh, just to you know to visit family. So he borrowed another friend of ours' car named Jose. So uh, I was interning for the police department at Notre Dame at that time, and so he came to me. He goes, look. I'm going to be gone, you know, for the long weekend. Uh, I'm taking Jose's car. Can you take it, you know, just keep an eye on my room to make sure nobody goes in there. I said, hey, I got you covered, man. No problem. I'll be happy to watch it for you. And so he left. And so uh, I went and to worked out um, uh, at The Rock. If any ND, ND people are listening, you know where I'm talking about. And I came back from working out, and I was walking to the shower, because obviously in the dorm, there's a communal shower. I'm wa- All I have is a towel on. I'm walking to the shower, and I notice Ed's door is uh, cracked open, and the light's on. 
I'm like, man, he didn't be gone like two hours. And all of a sudden, somebody's in there. So I just walked into the room to find out what was going on. And there's Ed. He's standing there. And I said, wait a minute. I thought you left. He goes, yeah. He goes, we were on our way to Pittsburgh. And then the, the engine light came on. And so we pulled over. And I looked underneath the car. And this oil is dripping um, from the car. So we turned around and came back. I said, we. And then he pointed to the couch. And there was Colleen. Right, the the uh, sitting there. Now they weren't dating, but um, Colleen's family is from Pittsburgh, and so uh, Ed was dating a, a girl from uh, from Colleen's dorm, and then she told Colleen that, "Hey, Ed's going to Pittsburgh," and she thought, "Wow, what a great opportunity to see my family." So, you know, let's, I'll just share a ride. And so I, the first time I met her, I was in a towel. <laughs> so, so I was like, and she said, I was like, oh, hi, hi, you know, that kind of thing. And then I left. And then I didn't see her again um, until Ed's wedding. So in the interim, this is junior year. I didn't see her at all the rest of the year. I didn't see her senior year. Um, and then uh, I, I joined the monastery. I, I actually worked at Notre Dame for a year, then uh, in the police department. Then I joined the monastery. And then when my mom got sick, and almost died. My parents were divorced. And when my dad left, I helped my mom take care of, of the family. And so when she got sick and almost died, I was given some time out of the monastery to help take care of my mom and my sister, who was still in high school. And um, during that time, uh, Ed was getting married. Now, if I was in the monastery, there, I would not have been able to go to the wedding, uh, which was in Seattle. So, uh, and I was, of course, I was living in Jersey. And so uh, I, because I was out of the monastery, I was able to go to the wedding, flew out to Seattle, and, uh, and saw Colleen again. And um, I, I, I looked at her, I said, boy, she looks kind of familiar, but I don't really know who she is. And, and so we met again, and then we was like, she was looking at me like, you look familiar too. And then we remembered how we met, and <laughs> we both laughed about it. And so we, we, we had a wonderful time at the wedding, and, and I, that's when I found out she was living, living in Connecticut at the time, um, because her brother is, was an insur- insur- uh, insurance executive, and um, uh, the, he, he was the only sibling of hers that was married and he had a child and he had a, you know, a second child and so uh, the her mom went out there to be closer to the grandkids and to help out and so Colleen went out there because that's kind of where the family was at that time and and so we um so I actually went back to the monastery um and uh and my mom's convalescence took a, took longer than we had anticipated so uh they told me to stay out until sh- she was able to go back to work and then then I went on a date, and then, you know, <laughs> one thing led to another. I didn't go back to the monastery. And um, and so we dated for a couple of years, and then she decided she wanted to go back to Oregon because she kind of wanted to place the land to figure out what she wanted to do with her life, what are her next steps. And so um, she went back to Oregon to go to, to – actually, California to go to graduate school. And I was working – at that time, I was working undercover as, in, as a detective. So I, I was in the middle of a drug advice case, so I just couldn't leave. And so I had to wait till that case resolved itself, and then I went out to California. And I got to admit, I was not sure about what I wanted to do because I still – because I never envisioned myself being married. Um. And I was, and quite honestly, I was scared because I did not want to end up like my parents. 
And so I, I went out to California and I lived in another monastery there, Woodside Priory in Portola Valley, uh, just south of uh, 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 Palo Alto. And I didn't go to join that community, but I went to discern, you know, should I be married? Should I go back to Newark? What should I do here? And I spent several months there. The, 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 the monks there were very, very generous and allowed me to stay there while I discerned. And I discerned marriage. You know, and, and uh, it was, a, it was a, a, a difficult time for Colleen because she's like, what, what's happening here? I thought, you know, this was heading a certain way and all of a sudden now it's not. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was challenging. But we, we worked through it and we ended up getting married in Oregon. Um, and then we went back to California while she finished her last, her, her externship in graduate school at San Jose State. And then we moved to, to Oregon. And by the way, I just want to mention that I just learned that one of the priests that uh, uh, that married us, uh, Father Patrick Sullivan, Holy Cross priest, just died over the weekend. Um, Father Pat was my rector for four years in my dorm at, at ND, and he also gave me some wonderful spiritual direction as I was discerning monastic life. And uh, he was one of three priests that were at our wedding, so... Um, I want to just have people please pray for the repose of the soul of Father Pat Sullivan, good man of God, um, really was uh, an important man in my life during my, my formative college years. So please, please pray for him. So anyway, um, and so uh, we moved to Oregon and, and, and joined a parish, and then I discovered the diaconate, and my wife was very, very supportive. Uh, when I started the diaconate program, we had no kids. Uh, and by the time I was ordained five years later, we had two kids and she was pregnant with twins. So, <laughs> so very, very challenging time. And so, um, so some of the challenges that, that, um, that we faced, um, besides the work-life balance stuff, which is normal for a lot of uh, families, particularly for us, without getting into too many uh, details, because um, I, my, and I totally agree, my wife wants to keep our our private life private. Um, uh, but I could say in general, some of the things we struggled with um, for, for, for me was making sure I, I gave her the kind of attention that she needed. Cause I personally don't need a lot of affection or attention in, in the relationship, but she does. And so I had to, to learn to go outside of myself, to stretch myself, if I, to, to make sure that her needs were being met in the relationship. Um, and also for me, it was important that there are certain things that need to stay between us as a couple. I mean, nothing bad or immoral or anything like that. But, you know, for me, I don't want, like, it's hard enough for, let's be real, it's hard enough for guys to really open up and share their hearts deeply with anyone. But if, it, if, but if you're, you can do that, it's supposed to be with your wife. The two of you are one. Right, so and my my wife loves when I open my heart and share my deepest thoughts with her, and you know how you know and connecting with her on spiritual level, all of that. But I don't want anybody else to know that it's not for them. I mean, our our marriage covenant is between us, not us and and her friends. You know, so it was very important to me that there are certain things that just stay between us because I'm sharing my heart, and it's already hard for me to do that. And the last thing I want is to that blabbed all over the place, you know. Um, so, so that was 
a challenge because, you know, she's more of an outgoing personality. She's a therapist. She's a clinical therapist. And, and so she's used to talking about things and feelings. And, you know, and I wasn't. So we, so that's been challenging. And we have gone to, to couples therapy over the years, you know, um, working on communications issues, working on, um, you know, kind of our approach to things. Because obviously we come from two very different family backgrounds you know, and so we, we bring the past into our current relationships, and sometimes that's difficult to manage um, uh, what, we were, what we were used to uh, growing up and, and some of the, 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 the skeletons and the baggage that we bring into relationship, but that needs to be worked out. You know, and, and um, to the guys out there, I just want to say, don't be afraid to go to therapy, you know, because I, I know it feels like weakness, you know, like, well, I, we should be able to do this without, you know, anybody else. Like, as a man, you feel like, you know, you've lost or maybe it feels weak going to therapy. But look, you got to do whatever you got to do to, to, for your marriage. Amen. You know, you got to do whatever you got to do. Now, I know you probably, I mean, marriage is probably the hardest thing I've ever done. White Fang, it's marriage is a beautiful thing, but it's also the cross, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so as you look at this Lent and Valentine's Day, I know, Ace, you probably had some challenges in your relationships as well. Well, I mean, there's always those triggers, right? And I remember, you know, if there's probably ever been arguments with my wife, it's been on things that she said or did, not knowing that in previous relationships that it was a negative or, you know, like her headspace wasn't there because she just didn't know. But I told her, you know, probably after about six, eight months, I was like, listen, I'll I'll know when you and I are really coming together because home will feel more at home with you than when I'm in my own home. And sure enough, I mean, once it was like, you know, breaking my heart at the end of a date to leave, you know, to go back to my house that was empty, you know, um, it, it definitely reminded me that, you know, together we're a sanctuary, that we take things together collectively to each other and to God so that we can be one, that it's the two of us against the world, not the two of us against each other. No, exactly right. And, and I do, and I do want to share something because um, people ask, well, how'd you get to be a speaker? I mean, that's maybe I'll do a whole different uh, uh, show, show about that. I mean, following God's will and trusting God's will. So I don't want to get into that, but I do want to say this because it's directly related to what we're talking about today. Um, so I, there was a point where I knew, I knew, I knew with all of my heart, soul, and mind that God was calling me to leave my career in law enforcement and to, and to, and to speak uh, full time. I knew it, and I still couldn't do it. Uh, I, you know, I, I, my head was saying, my heart was saying, yes, trust the Lord follow him. I mean, he's calling you. every door I tried to shut, the Lord opened another one. So he was clearly leading me down this path. But my head was saying, are you out of your mind? How are you supposed to take care of your family talking about Jesus? You've got a sure thing right now. You've got your job. You've got your consulting company. You've got all these other things that you're doing. And, and you want to leave to go into the unknown? What 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 how, what kind of responsible husband and father is that? I, that's I'm just that's what was going through my mind, I mean, because it's one thing to say you trust God; it's another thing to actually do it, and I couldn't do it. Well, what changed? I went to dinner. I took my Colleen to dinner because we it got to a point where we had to make a decision. 
um, do it because I, 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 I couldn't do both. Uh, I, I was balancing because I was speaking part time. I was doing EWTM part time and I was doing my job full time and that was fine. But then the demands started to increase for speaking and writing and 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 I got to a point in my heart, I didn't want to say no anymore. I had to say, no, 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 I have a job. No, 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 I can't go to that because I have a job. And then I then my heart was saying, as I was discerning all this, well, what if I didn't have a job? I'd be able to say yes to more of these things. And maybe God is using me as an instrument for what for his was. And I, all of that was going through my mind. And so finally, I had, I had to make a decision. And I took Colleen to dinner. We talked for two and a half hours. And this is what made all the difference, all the difference. She said, you know what? God is calling you to do this. And after all, God's in charge of finances. We should do it. Not you should do it. We should do it. Mm. And I'm telling you, man, look, as soon as she said those words to me, literally, the doubt, the anxiety, the fear was gone. Because I knew from that moment on, no matter what happened to us on this journey, that she would love me, that she would stand by me, she would support me. Her love gave me the courage to follow God's will. So I wrote a resignation letter that night. I turned it in the next day. I started the the process of selling my my, uh, consulting practice. And then uh, June 30th, 2012, which was also that year, Pope Benedict called for a year of faith. I took a leap of faith and I left a 23-year career behind. And, um, and that would not have happened had it not been for the love and support of my wife. So even though she doesn't travel with me and, and people don't see her with me, um, without her love and support, I can't do this. It's just that simple. And again, Genesis, we are one, mm. you know, so she, she not be one with me sitting next to me on the plane, but she's definitely one with me in this whole journey of trust and faith and, and building confidence in, 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 in God's loving and God's mercy. So uh, it's, it's, it's really been an amazing ride. Well, and I think probably much like any of us, but your schedule is definitely an example of you go through seasons, right? Like, you know, sweetheart, you know, I'm going to be busy these months or these weeks within the month so she can plan and, and know what her part is or, or, or what she's going to do while you're gone and those kinds of things. And then when you're home, it's a season where you're, you know, back in doing things collectively or you're picking up some of the things from her that, you know, she does when you're gone. That's what my wife and I have to do. Like, hey, let's let's talk about March. Okay, what does March look like? You know, and she gives me her schedule and I give her mine. And, you know, we have those things that, you know, we have to juggle. But collectively, we're working together for the good of the family. No, exactly right. And um, uh, for us, it's, it's very much like when I'm home, I have to pay attention to her. You know, and I want to, you know, because I'm gone. Because, look, let me, be, let me be honest. Sometimes I'm gone when I don't want to be gone. Yeah. I'm just going to just, I'm, I, I mean, it's not that I don't want to do this work. That's not it at all. It's just that I miss being home. Sure. Right? You know, and I know that God's called me to do this. I know um, uh, just the, the way people are responding to what God is doing in and through me. I get it. And, and, uh, and I love doing this, but sometimes I just, you know, uh, I just miss being home. I just want to 
be with my wife, you know, and, and we get that. So when I'm home, you know, I make sure that we definitely have date nights and long extended getaway weekends. And we have, you no, know, t- this year's our 30th anniversary. We have an amazing 30th anniversary trip coming up, which I'm so excited about, you know. And, and so, you know, in our case, really absence makes the heart grow fonder, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and today, you know, on uh, Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday seems on the surface, like a bummer, doesn't it? Because it doesn't feel like a celebration, mm-hmm. you know. But I think it prevents an opportunity for married couples to go deeper, particularly in their prayer life together, to to, to think about the sacrifices that both spouses are making for their relationship, and to bring all that together in prayer, praying together as a couple. You know, um, Valentine's Day is about love, and Ash Wednesday focuses on sacrifice, love and sacrifice, foundations of marriage. So praying together as a couple, I think, is a beautiful way to show both heartfelt love for each other while sharing in each other's beautiful gift of vulnerability, right? Yeah. So I think that's one thing that couples can do today. Well, and speaking to, because you and I both come from this, you know, having divorce, you know, in our lineage, you know, and then maybe, you know, as you were beginning your relationship with your wife to have that, I think that's where a lot of today's kids are in entering into marriage. They're worried about repeating the habits that their parents that led them to divorce and they have the opportunity to grow a whole branch that's completely separate of what their own lineage proves. So where did that, for you at least, as you're sharing your love story, where was that definitive, okay, God, I know you're calling me no matter what, and I'm not going to let that fear rule? Yeah, and that's when I was in the, the monastery in Woodside, uh, California, um, j- uh, the monastery uh, just uh, south of Palo Alto, because I went to California scared, you know, um, and and my discernment at that point was, you know, should I get married? Should I go back to the monastery? And to be honest, I think, although, I, you know, I, I there's things I miss about monastic. I'm not going to lie. There's things I miss about monastic life. I, I really do. But my whole thing was, what does God want me to do right now? What is his will for me? And that's all I wanted to do was God's will. Um, and so I felt that the my fear was, uh, if I would have went back to the monastery, I would have done it more out of fear rather than out of love. Mm. Fear of not, fear of getting married, you see? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that fear would have driven me back to the monastery. That would have been a mistake. But it was, again, uh, the graciousness of the monks that allowed me to stay there and discern, it was during that time that I really spent a lot of time in adoration. A lot of time, um, you know, before the Lord saying, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. You know, and, and it became clear to me over the months that, that he was calling me to the sacrament of, of, of matrimony. And uh, again, I think it's the, the, the um, best decision because it's God's will. And like all the things that have happened because of that decision, you know, um, has just been has just been amazing. Um, and, and so, you know, for, for married couples out there, look, um, the Lord says whenever two or more gather in his name, there he is in the midst of them. So what better two to gather in prayer than husbands and wives who are sharing a life together in Christ? Um, you know, and look, you, you probably go to church with your spouse. So you probably pray privately. 
because I, I definitely do that. I mean, I pray to lead you to the hours. I have my rosary. I have my devotions that I do every day, my private prayers for sure. But Ash Wednesday is a great reminder that married couples are to put Christ at the center of their lives. And the best way to do that is to gather in his name to pray. So when you bring your 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 own concerns and uh, worries and feelings and thoughts to the Lord with your spouse and listen to what their concerns are. Um, you, you not only share your burdens with Christ, you share your burdens with each other in a deeper way. And it's a beautiful reminder that God is with us, uh, married couples, as we travel along this marital journey. Right? right. We, we we can't get so caught up in the business of the marriage, the mortgage, the kids, and driving them here and what's for dinner tonight and, and all you know, all the business stuff of the marriage that we forget really that Jesus Christ and his love is the heart, the center, the soul, the foundation of our of our married life together. Yeah, and I think too, you know, as the word says he provides a helper, well, he knows before you ever tell your spouse you know, these are the things that I worry about. These are the things that scare me. These are the, you know, uh, I mean, he already knows and he's giving you someone to share that with. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Remember, because the Zerkonegdo uh, in, in Hebrew, the helpmate is, is battle partner, right? <laughs> so we're going to talk more about that when I talk about feminine spirituality, because we talked about the men the other day, we're talking about the women coming up as well. So don't worry, ladies, you, you'll have your turn. But, but, but you're absolutely right. And so, again, Ash Wednesday is a great reminder to put Christ at the center of your, of your lives, married couples. Um, don't forget that the Lord is with us. Uh, and Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day is a great reminder that God is present in our marriages every single day of our lives. There's not a challenge that cannot be overcome with the power of God's love working in and through our marriages. And my prayer for all of our EWTN family listeners right now is you will have the best Lent ever. Enter into this season with an open heart, uh, with with uh, allowing God to, to work in your life in a deeper way. I would challenge you to spend more time in Eucharistic adoration before the Lord so you can listen more deeply, more intimately to God's voice in your life. So tomorrow, Word of God Wednesday will be Thursday. And we're going to, I'll share the scripture with you tomorrow. We're going to take a look at the readings for Mass today. And remember, you can stream today's show. Visit podcastcentralatew10.com slash radio. May God, Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>